All right, first things first, Happy New Year, everybody, to you and yours. Hope it's a happy and healthy one for all of you and your families. And welcome once again to Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. I am Ross Salzberg, joined by my buddy, two-time Super Bowl champion, David Deal. And the big story today, David, is Dave Gettleman's year-end press conference. Uh, As far as I'm concerned... I thought it was uneventful, Uh, nothing happened or nothing was said that I didn't think was going to be said. Uh, I didn't think, you know, there was anything earth shattering, but as sure as you and I are sitting here, I'll bet that one of those Super Bowl rings of yours, it's going to be made a big deal tomorrow. Is Eli coming back? Where does it lie? Maybe he's not going to be coming back. It it is what it is. It is what it is, and and that's something that you know that you're going in it's been three days since the season's been over. So the evaluation of this current roster of where they're at between the coaches, the scouting department, Dave Gettleman, that's all still taking place as well. And and to ask the questions and have the answers for the future, I know that in some part he does have some of the answers, but some that you don't have finalized moving forward. So, I mean, you got what you kind of expected out of this interview and, you know, people will take it as they may, but there's still so much left to take care of and, and to uncover before you truly make a big decision. Well, you, you know, you, you have to be naive not to think that the big question that everybody was going to ask about and right out of the gate to, to clear the air, if you will, or set the record straight, Dave addressed the Eli situation by saying, look, before everybody gets started, Eli and myself had a real, honest, straightforward conversation. It went very, very well, straightforward conversation. I'm not saying anything more about it. It was just a straightforward conversation. And already, you know, people are reading, well, what was the conversation about? Uh, uh, Was he happy or sad? What was said? What was said in the conversation. And then um, later on it came out, well... How did the conversation come about? Eli came up and wanted to talk to me. Of course, I'm going to talk to Eli. And he kept saying, uh, Eli's a mensch. Eli's a mensch. Eli's a mensch. For you people who do not know what mensch means, it means gentleman or a man's man in Yiddish. And and Dave Gettleman always likes to use that. And towards the end, Dave was asked, why did you call him a mensch? And, And like, because he's been a mensch and gentleman and man's man for 15 years. And that's yeah. how he talks. That's that, that, Dave Gettleman. No, but, but that's how you yeah. describe Eli Manning. I, I mean, you can guess what the conversation was about. D- David, you're a former player. Yeah. So, so you've had those year-end meetings, I'm sure, with your GMs or respective whoever. Coaches and coaches head coach and at, position at coaches, time. absolutely. I, I'm thinking, you know, Eli wanted to know or, you know, talking about if I come back, uh, or you know, I, I want to come back, but I, I, I'm guessing. No, no, More than nobody, anything, it's a time to clear the ear. Yeah, like we did put a this, stamp on did, 2018 it, and end it, it and move forward. It, it, exactly. You know, I want to continue playing. But everybody's going to be guessing about this. Then somebody else asked uh, Dave Gettleman, "Can I guess? Uh, not I guess. Archie had made a comment last week. Archie Manning." That, uh, you know, he's good whatever uh, Eli wants to do. But if he comes back, you know, Giants got to win. And I understand him talking. Listen, 
Archie had to sit and watch his son take a lot of crap this year in the media, you know, and, and I'm sure it burnt Archie, bothered him a, a great deal. So he's protective of his son. But then the question gets asked to Dave, can you guarantee a winning season? You can't guarantee anything. I, you know, you can't guarantee you're going to wake up tomorrow morning. I, I just thought it is what it is. And uh, the speculation is going to run rampant if it hasn't started already. I'm sure it already started. I, I am sure as well. It's been over an hour since the interview. Yeah, I'm sure it's going. Yeah, yeah, a little over an hour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'd say it ended about an hour and a half ago. And that's, you know, and then, then you know, Dave's asked about Odell. Well, how's your offense without Odell? You know, Dave said, we lost the last three games. <laughs> I think that's enough said. I mean, you know, it, it's just... But the question was asked to kind of put it out there because, you know, there, there are some knuckleheads out there in the media who think, you know, Giants might be better off without Odell. Oh, really? Really? I, I mean, you, as Dave just said, they lost three games the last three without Odell. I, I just... Some of the questions I, I don't understand. Look at the way that Tennessee loaded up the box with somebody who's shadowing. Same thing with Indianapolis. And they got things even going a little bit up against Indianapolis. But the whole point was to shut down Saquon without having Odell Beckham Jr. on the field. And just think about that last drive for the New York Giants. What kind of difference he would make up against the Dallas Cowboys in the fourth quarter? It's plain and simple. And those are just three examples to end the season. So uh, I think that that speculation was taken out. Obviously, they asked about trading Odell Beckham Jr. Immediately, he laughed and said we wouldn't have signed him if we were going to trade him. Bingo. So that answered that. And I, I just, it, it, I, I've never seen, I don't know, you know, it wasn't like the first losing season the Giants have had, but I've never seen such speculation. And, and I really do believe, I've said this several times here, folks, Dave, I've said it to you, you've said it to me. I think social media has a lot to do of with it. Of course it does. The speculation running rampant, it, it just becomes almost to the point of silliness. But let me ask you a question because you're the former player. You've dealt with your own situations. When would you say um, a final decision or announcement is made regarding Eli, for that matter? Well, I, obviously nothing has to take place anytime soon. But you know once you get start going towards after now, all these college bowl games are done, and then you start working your way towards the combine, that's where those questions are going to start being asked more, and they're going to be asked and they're going to have to be answered because obviously when they get to the combine, Dave Gettleman speaks to the media, Pat Shermer will speak to the media, and obviously those questions will continue to come up until that point because that's when they're going to start evaluating the draft prospects, who's going to declare themselves, because not everybody still has declared right. themselves for the draft. And then that's where you start piecing together and really trying to fill out exactly what your makeup is of the team that you have now, what type of players systematically you're looking for in the draft, and then outside of that, what free agents and building upon that part of the, your football team. So I think that's when you're going to start hearing more and more about this taking place and what's really going to happen. I, I don't have the exact date or the exact situation, but it, I believe there's something regarding financially, Eli is if some uh, bonus or something. Yeah, I, I don't know that. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, you know what that might come into play just in terms of terminology, the league year, and all those things. Right, yeah, right, right, right. 
But, um, you know, the one thing that Dave also did say, and I'm a firm believer in that, uh, you know, that goes back to let him rest in peace, Mr. Mara, Wellington Mara. Uh, John is the same way. You can't make decisions when you're angry or upset or or at the end of a season when emotions are raw. Yeah. you got to sit back, look at it, and Dave Gettleman is not going to be backed into a corner just because people want answers. That's not how you operate. I've said this. You've heard me say it all season long, folks. Any general manager who's worth his salt, anybody cannot be making his decisions based upon what is popular or unpopular with the public or the media. You got to base it on what you believe in. And Dave Gettleman's belief is this giant team has made strides. He cleaned out a locker room. There was, were, were good vibes in it. Uh, and, you know, he made sure to say at one and seven, he was watching and it was never a quit. You know, nobody, listen, we sat here doing shows. At one and seven, it sucked. But uh, nobody likes being, nobody likes losing. But I, that, that, from a GM standpoint and a coaching standpoint, you got to watch what your team is doing. Are they quitting? Are they packing it? And in? how the coaches are coaching. And how the coaches are coaching. And he made a point of saying that uh, at one and seven. Those two bye week that, practices. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He said they were basically kick-ass practices that, that were nasty, and the guys were getting after it. And that told him what he needed to see, and they carried it forward. Listen, 5'11 doesn't sound too nice, but after you go 1-7 and seven and then 4-4, four and four, when it, the 4-4 four and four could have been a whole lot better, yep. you know, there are things to be positive about. They say we open up the phone lines, David. Let, again, 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go to uh, up. Is it Washington? Washington of the Great uh, Northwest. Speaking with Scott. This is the nation's capital. Oh, Roman, uh, okay. We did. We left off the D.C. But go ahead, Scott. How you doing? Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year to you. I've got one question for both of you. One question to each of you. Uh, Russ, first one. You know. I, I counted up over the course of this season on this program. You said it is what it is 143 times. I want to dig a little deeper than that level of analysis and ask you, is there any one mistake you can identify that either ownership, management, or coaching, either ownership, management, or coaching made during this season? And then, Mr. Deal, uh, I want to dig a little deeper on, on how you came to the decision to not play any longer. I know most players in the league probably the year after they're not in the league anymore think they can still play, and I know you had injury issues, especially in that last season. I'm just curious, what about your particular situation? What specifically led to your decision to not play again the next year? Well, uh, my decision and my choice was, you know, after playing over a decade for the New York Giants and playing my 11th season, I wanted to finish out my career. I accomplished everything that I could have ever dreamed of as a player, accomplished everything that I ever could have dreamed of as a team. And uh, for me, I took that last year really just to finish out, to have fun, enjoy the process, and to do my best to try to take all the lessons that I've learned as a player in that offensive line room and as a professional to help mentor and, and take Justin Pugh under my wing his rookie season who sat next to me throughout that entire year, going through film, breaking things down, teaching him the X's and O's, and 
what it means to be a professional lineman and what it means to be a New York Giant normal lineman. And, and Scott, you're asking me what, what mistakes do I think the Giants made? Just can you identify any one mistake that either ownership, management, or coaching made this season? Well, I, I would say, you know, uh, hindsight, it's easy for me to sit here and say they made a mistake because I probably would have made the same mistakes. But, and you know, Dave Gettleman, he didn't say it was a mistake today, for, uh, for example, Patrick Omame, because he, one of the things that he felt he needed to uh, get better was the locker room, the, the culture in the locker room, and he thought Omame was the right guy. Unfortunately, as far as his playing, did not fit everything. So, you know, he made an assessment during the season and cut his losses with Omame. Uh, you might say it was a mistake to bring um, Eric Flowers back. I would say, yeah, looking at it now, it was a mistake. But at the same time, I had a guy who was a number one draft pick. He said he came in and said everybody starts with a clean slate. He gave him a chance to start with a clean slate. After he was benched after a couple of games, he made the move. So, you know, other than that, uh, Scott, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not going to nickel and dime. This was a mistake. That was a mistake. Thirteen guys are left from last year. Thirteen guys were left from last year. It was, you know, and I'll use the terminology uh, that Gettleman said today. He doesn't like to use the term rebuild. He says you just, you just like to keep uh, building. But that said, he cleaned house. Okay, a lot of talent was changed, and they're moving forward. So, you know, I hope that answered your question, Scott. Thank you for the call. 201-939, folks. 4513 is the number. That is 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go to, is it Lloyd Harbor? In New Lloyd, Har Lloyd Harbor, New York, check in with Jeff. Hello, Jeff. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Well, I got the two questions uh, about the two pretty high-profile guys. Eli Apple, number one, mm -hmm. appeared to be having a banner year before he tweaked his leg. And Snacks Harrison, who's a one-man run-stopping machine. Mm -hmm. um, did we get enough in return? I think we lost out on a shot at a wild-card berth by giving those guys away. Um, well, listen, the, the, first of all, what was the exact record when they were given away, uh, give, given away? I don't know what the exact record oh, was. I think it qualified as Drek. Okay. Uh, so it, you, you're saying it qualified as Drek. In other words, for people who don't know what Drek is, it was, <laughs> it, it was lousy. Yes. In, in terms of that's a very charitable definition. In terms of snacks, and I asked him, I asked Dave. It's interesting that you brought that up because that's the one question that I asked Dave Gettleman myself today. I said, you know, by trading snacks, one of the reasons you said for that that was to give the young guys chances to play, and uh, get valuable playing time and get valuable snaps. Uh, snacks. Listen, I, I've said this several times. He was one of my favorite, you know, giants here. But he wasn't going to be in the plans for 2019. You could say we could have gotten more, could have gotten less. Um, I, I, I don't know about that. The, the, the bottom line is that he wanted to get, uh, for example, Dalman, uh, Tomlinson, 
I, I guess when Snacks was there, he he, he was playing the three he, instead of the one. Exactly, Dalvin's a, a natural one. One, yeah. So he wanted Dalvin playing that. He wanted B.J. Hill playing the three. Yep. And you know that's what he got. So in you know I'm not the guy to assess that. I'm not the football personnel guy. Dave is. And that's what they felt. And they're not sorry about that, I can tell you that much. And when you think about Eli Apple, number one, you know, Jeff, before the season, did you want Eli Apple on this roster, honestly? Honestly, after last year, he had a down year. I suspect it was off-field uh, issues they were just that, a yes or no, that, were, Jeff. that were impairing his natural ability. Yes or I think, no. I think before he tweaked the, the leg at maybe game four or five, he was having a career year. I'm he saying before, all before, like before the season, Jeff, before the season started, did you want no. Eli Apple back? the answer is no. Okay. And then when he was playing, he once again got injured also. When you look at him and the way that he was playing and not to mention all the things that you said, the off of the field stuff, to be able to get a fourth and a seventh round draft pick to build up more for the future when you don't see him being a part of the future – Number one, with the health that you just said, now he's even not healthy again, and he's still been nicked up for the Saints. And also his ability to locate the ball in the air and not have all of the penalties that he had as a football player. Those are things that you can't deny. And in regards to Snacks, yes, it was a tough loss losing Snacks and what he meant in the middle of that defense. But at the same time, to build once again for the future, to get a fifth-round draft pick and to clear $16 million on your salary cap, that's a big move towards the future, and I think Delvin Tomlinson will do much better as he's gotten continued uh, experience like he's gotten, and same thing with B.J. Hill to make up for those things. And, and let's be honest, Snacks was great to talk to, but he wasn't a guy that was going to go out of his way to help mold and teach those younger players and oh, be that it? true leader. Was Snacks in his walk year? No, no, no. But but he for them that's not him. They were not going to have him. You know, financially, he wasn't going to be in their plans for, for next two, season, two thousand and nineteen. But you know, Dave, Dave just touched on something that is true, and I really liked him. I, I you know I liked kibitzing with him and you know all that stuff. But you know that's not why you keep somebody. I again, I'm speculating, but I don't. I have a feeling, and just the way Dave you described it. It, he wasn't that kind of leader with the guys. No. He, it wasn't taking him under his wing and, and, and this and that. You know, I'll that's get, interesting. That's something that, that, that we, we fans don't get uh, a sight of or no well, one really yeah. talks let, about let, let, me give you, let me give you an example. Nate Solder came in, and Nate Solder and uh, Will Hernandez was like walking around like me and my shadow. Yeah. All, I mean, in the dining room, off from the practice field to the locker room, in the lockers. I mean, that's what it was. And, you know, and during, yeah. during lunches and dinners, started pulling the table together so all the offensive line yeah. eats together. Those are things that help make a difference to the culture of a football team, especially in your individual you know, position groups. You know, I will tell you this, Dave. That group of the offensive linemen, they, all of them, they stick together more than any other group sticks together. Absolutely, and that's the only way that you can become a great group. Well, in a losing year, I think that the offensive line finally showed uh, some promise that was, you know, always hinted at when given the, the nature of the personnel that you guys brought in. Uh, but I also think getting rid of someone who is an impact player like Snacks, I think it really hurt, for one, Olivier Vernon. 
he didn't have the kind of year that you'd expect of a player of his caliber. Well, remember something. OV was hurt for a good part of the year. That's true. Okay, so that's that's. And then when he came back, he was healthy, and at times where he needed to get pressure, he didn't come up with the pressures every single time you need it. You, you know, you, you, uh, listen. You're not gonna. No one's gonna disparage the talent and, and the run stopping yeah. ability of, of Snacks Harrison. But no, you have no, to look at the bigger picture of it. You know, and, and at the, the time he was traded, that picture was kind of bleak. So that's why it was moved. But thank you for the call, Jeff. Happy Thanks for taking the time, guys. You and got let's, it. Uh, let's go win one next year. What do you say? Sound, sounds good. Happy and a healthy New Year to you and your family. 201-939-4513 is the number, folks. I just – you know, people have uh, – that's probably a question that I've gotten even on the street a lot by a lot of people. It almost pains me because I like snacks a great deal. Yeah. But I was sensing, even though I like him, I was sensing he wasn't supplying the leadership in that locker room that coaching management would have liked to have seen. No. And that was a part of all the overall picture of what took place. And, and that's not the reason. It wasn't like he was, quote, unquote, a cancer. No, no, uh, no, that, no. So I'm not suggesting that. I think it was a combination of where he fit into the plans for this coming season, which he was not fitting in. They were losing at the time. And, you know, they're accumulating. Listen, folks, you guys, gals, you just don't get what you want in terms of draft picks. So you try and get something. You, you know, it's like when everybody, I, I, especially like in baseball, because that's probably the most tradable where they talk about trades yep. and anything. People are always talking about, I'm going to give you garbage for an A-plus player. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> you try and get the best yeah. deal available. And, you know, um, David's looking to stockpile some some draft picks for next season. So, you know, that's that's the way I'm looking at it. 201-939-4513 is the number. Phone lines are open for you. And, again, it is uh, got to remind you all that Big Blue Kickoff Live here is presented by Coors Light. So download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. You know, what when your season used to end for you, what was it like? Was it, you, I'm relieved, you know, and I, I go home. I, I, You're miserable. I, You're sitting there packing your locker into a garbage bag. How do you think that feels? And, you know, you know, and you look back at the football season while you're doing that and having your exit meetings and, Realize the magnitude of the lost opportunities that you had as a football team. And, you know, you're going to go home and you're going to sit here this weekend and watch teams play in the wild card and play in the playoffs for this entire time until the Super Bowl. And, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. How long does it take you to get over that? I mean, realistically, when I say get over it, okay, so after, like you say, it sucks, you, you, you're, you go home in garbage bags and you're watching other teams play, but you're also – you're getting healthy again. You're I think it takes to, two weeks. Yeah, I was going to say. Because, you know, after that, not only are you trying to get healthy again and trying to relax and get your body back, but that's the time where you're self-evaluating, looking back at the season, to write down those things that you want to turn from your weaknesses into your strengths to become a better player and start to motivate yourself for that upcoming season. And when you go through your exit meetings, what exactly gets discussed? I mean, are, are they telling you, all right, listen, Dave, you got to do this, this, and this better. You got to, 
Yeah, that's definitely part of it. These are some of the things you did well. These are some of the things that you need to improve on. You know, maybe we can work more on flexibility on this or cutoffs or that. And you have a whole list and you just sit there and you talk to your coach and go through, you know, a full fair evaluation that's open door that, you know, if there's anything you want to ask or say, that's the time to do it with your coach sitting in front of you. And you can just move forward from that point on what you did in that previous season and what you need to do for the following season and what your coach is expecting of you. I, I know Pat Shermer made a point of saying that for rookies, you know, you got to really tell them what they need to do now because it's the first time that they're yeah. going through this. You know, college is a completely different beast. You know, you got to take care of yourself. You got to do this, that, and the other thing. Schedule, it's making sure you get your rehab, just basically organizing your life in a way that you never have before because you've never had to. Yeah, interesting. 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go to New Mexico, speak with our friend Scott. Happy New Year, Scott. How you doing? Good. How are you guys? Great. What's going on? I had a question for you. Uh, In regards to the situation with Eli, uh, I'm wondering if, and I've mentioned this before, uh, they tried to extend Eli out to 2020. The reason being is if the Giants improve next year, I know there's going to be a bigger quarterback pool in 2020 than there is in 2019. And there's no assurance that the Giants would be able to get either the first two uh, top picks, I guess would be Justin Herbert and the kid from Alabama, Tua, uh, because if their record improves, they'll probably be drafting lower, uh, maybe 17th or 18th, and I don't think they would have a- access to those two quarterbacks. That being said, excuse me for interrupting. Sure. I, I don't think it's remotely possible. Quite frankly, that's just my gut feeling that they could, you know, would be able to get either one of those two. But two seasons from now. Two yeah. seasons from now. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. So uh, my feeling was, uh, in regards to Eli, uh, would it be smart because the five teams uh, in this upcoming draft uh, really don't need quarterbacks unless uh, unless John, uh, excuse me, Gruden uh, makes a, uh, a move and gets rid of Carr. They may have access to Haskins, who seems to be the real quarterback coming out in the 2019 class. Do you think, in either of your opinion, it would be advisable, even though I think the Giants really need to draft uh, pass rushers, I think that's their priority, but would it be smart if he's available to take Haskins and then they'd have a full year where he can be mentored by Eli uh, under those circumstances and it might solve the quarterback problem because otherwise the Giants might be back in the same place in 2020 with no real access to a good quarterback because their record's improved and they've gotten better. So I just wanted to know from your perspective what you feel about that. You go first, Dave. Well, I mean, that's that was one of the things that people are asking and are talking about is when you do move to that transition from Eli Manning to somebody else, you want it to go as smoothly as possible. And we talked about last week how some of the quarterbacks that have gotten time to digest, breathe, learn how to be a pro in the NFL, learn what it takes to be a quarterback – have played better because of it. We've talked about Aaron Rodgers, Philip Rivers, Patrick Mahomes, and we even showed the example and talked about the example of Sam Darnold pre-getting injured to coming in, playing this end of this season for the last three or four games or whatever it was. 
that's something that you definitely think about is the future of your organization and what quarterbacks and what players are going to be available now and to that point. And if there was anybody that you would want to groom that quarterback, it would be Eli Manning. And I know we talked about this before, the whole, well, the whole mentor thing. Eli leads by example, and he does it for everybody, not only in that football team and on the offense, but specifically in that quarterback room. Yeah, uh, look, he's but, go ahead. But so far as the scenario I've I've painted, again, uh, you, you're going to need a quarterback. I don't think Eli is going to play till he's forty. No, so no. That but being but, said, D- Dave, let, um, let me just interject with, with something here. You know, and and by sure. the way, by the way, you and everybody uh, watching Big Blue Kickoff live now. Uh, when you're done with us at at two thirty, you can you know check out Dave's complete press conference. Um, you know, on its entirety on uh, the website. But okay. Dave Gettleman made a point of saying when he drafts, he's going to draft the best athlete available. And he said, it's a, this is uh, not Russ Salzberg talking, this is Dave Gettleman talking. He says, okay. it's a mistake to go in saying, I gotta have this because. And that one priority uh, because they, you're gonna make a mistake. Yep, that's exactly what he said. I, I, if you make this the priority, you're go, you going to make a mistake more times than not. He went in last year. Okay, he had the number two pick. He drafted the best guy available. I don't think that's not to disparage anybody else. He got the best guy available. And, he, and not just his talent on the field. I don't think anybody realized how good this young man, uh, Saquon Barkley, was going to be off the field. In terms, now, if you're asking me, I'm I'm saying it depends what's available because listen there are needs on the defensive line there's needs on, on the O line there's needs on the O line and you know what listen if something's available at that juncture that he felt was the best and you also have to like who you're picking right. well obviously if you don't like him then you don't think he's the best so but but I think the question to me is uh, when you say mentoring as Dave brought up Let's let's say they drafted a quarterback that they really liked. Okay, right. let's say they drafted. A, uh, if it, let's say it was Haskins, I'm just giving you. Yeah. A, a, for for example, Haskins ain't starting next year. Okay, Eli right. is the guy. Eli's the quarterback, and then uh, you know uh, uh, most GMs and coaches, and, and listen, Shermer's a specialist with quarterbacks. Most GMs and coaches don't like rookies starting at quarterback. No, they don't. And and that court, that position is far different than any other position in the National Football League. Is that fair to say? Without Dave? a doubt, you have the football in your hands each and every play, and you're directing ten other players on each and each and every play with confidence. You have to, you know. So Scott, to me, you know, uh, that would be the perfect world for everybody who wants a quarterback. You get somebody, but you got to like that somebody. If yeah. you, if you right. don't like them. Uh, they're not stupid, and Eli's not stupid. They, they all know, you, you know, the future is going to be with a, a new quarterback. But that right. doesn't mean, you know, I don't think they're worried about 2020. I think they're worried about starting the build now, and and they have to assess. As Gettleman likes to say, he's a uh, video, a tape junkie. He likes oh, yeah. looking at any and everything. So that's where it stands. All right. Okay. I have one more question, uh, and I can take it off the air. Uh, I wanted to know. Uh, I thought Wayne Gallman played uh, very well this year, and I was just curious from either of your perspectives. 
Do you think the Giants will expand his role a little bit more? I know Saquon had those great numbers, but obviously the wear and tear over the long term could be significant. So I was just wondering if you think they might expand Wayne Goldman's role and also if you think they'll draft another running back besides having a fullback on the roster. I think that's definitely that there's something they're looking to do. You saw his role expand as the season progressed. I think the things that I loved out of Wayne Goldman was the way that he ran – always north and south got his feet in the ground was trying to get as many yards as possible ran with much lower body pad pad level than he did last season and my biggest pickup and things that he did to see blitz pass protection he did a much better job this season so you have to give him credit for that and that's definitely something that they're going to do moving forward are they going to draft a running back or bring in a free agent running back you know they are because they're going to want to turn out as much competition in that room as possible to make it the best it can be. Okay. All right, Scott. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. All right. You got it. All right. Thanks. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the number. You know, we're talking about how the quarterback position is so tough in the National Football League. You know, a tough position to learn. Yeah. You know what I? And I'm not saying it because you're sitting next to me. I think the second toughest position is offensive lineman. Yeah. And, and my belief. And, and tell me if you think I'm wrong. My belief on that is the following. When you're, in particular, the offensive lineman, when you're in college, you're big and you're strong. And, and there's you, games you're going in that you know you're going to win the battle. And you just plow driving yes. through and over people. You come into the National Football League as a 21 or a 22-year-old, okay? And you're a, you're a big man, a big young man, but you're also going up against season. 26, 27, 28 year old veterans who are big and strong. I told and you my, how to deal with my that? first experience of seeing a Giants D lineman with Keith Hamilton. That was the <laughs> first guy I saw. I'm like, wow, that's the guy I have to block and practice every single day. It's a reality check. And it's grown men out there fighting and one will up against another man's will. And when you play O-line, you either win the battle or you don't. There's no in-between. Yeah, and so I, I, re- I really believe that, that, that it's the first is the quarterback, and then it's the offensive lineman. 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go to Syracuse and check in with Chris. Hello, Chris. Hey, how you guys doing? How you doing, Chris? Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year to you. Um, <laughs> Dave, I just wanted to have a little laugh here for a minute. I called, it was about January 2nd or 3rd in uh, 2016. So obviously coming right off the 15 season and Flyers played his rookie year a little bit injured and we had Pew and I remember making the comment like, wow, <laughs> I'm glad we can put this whole line thing behind us. I think things are looking up. And uh, we had a miss, let's just say. <laughs> there was a miss there. It didn't quite pan out the way that I, I think we were all hoping it would. Um that being said, I just wanted to kind of respond a little bit to what Scott was just saying because um, I don't know. I'm probably on the way, way outskirts here, but I could see. Uh, I don't see any reason why you know, I couldn't play fully year 40 or beyond, assuming that things start um, heading in the right direction in, in terms of wins and losses. Um, I think that it's everything is weighed so heavily on the quarterback in terms of wins and losses, and obviously the wins haven't been there over the last several years, so that's where a lot of the criticism comes. But I see a guy that's in his, uh, another system with a revolving door and offensive lineman, both in terms of personnel and people coming through um, until the end of this season. So I don't know, maybe I'm naive or foolish, but I would really like to see them actually get this thing solidified, build a little bit with Shermer, um, 
and see him go. I mean, you, you have Breeze, Rivers, Roethlisberger all playing at a high level, and I, I don't really see where it would be a whole lot different with Eli if he was stayed in the system, had consistency around him, protecting him. Like those are all factors that these other older guys have well, that Eli really hasn't had. Yeah, but but l- listen, uh, you're not going to get any, any argument from the two of us sitting here what we think of Eli. But I would say this about any and everybody. Eli's turning 38. When you start talking about 40 years old in the National Football League, you know, that's a gray area. Yeah. So, you know, as as fond as I am, I mean, I I, I want to get through next season with Eli and then see what happens. One year at a time. No, I I mean, I I, I think that's that's more than fair. And I think Eli probably feels the same way, Chris. Uh, you know, that, that's just common sense. I mean, this, no, I, I'm sure it's year to year for all of those guys that are up there at that age, but you don't hear that about Rivers and Breeze and Roethlisberger. You heard it actually about Breeze up until a couple of years ago when they started really winning again. But you, were, you don't hear it as much um, as you do with Eli. And I really think that it's not so much the level of play as it is all the other factors that are going around and the fact that they're just not winning games. Well, well, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. If you have a quarterback, like um, when Jameis Winston came in, sorry to cut you off the yeah. other day, I just want to make this play real quick. When Jameis Winston came in um, for the Bucks, there, he almost threw like three or four picks. Yeah. But that, because the defensive backs dropped him and, and everything else, and the narrative was, oh, my God, it's amazing, and he scored all these points, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Those guys, I mean, they were not like tip balls. They were ugly picks. Uh, fumbled it into the end zone for a touchdown, things like that. So I just think that the narrative just gets so skewed based well, on well, the results. No, no. Well, well, sure. I mean, the, but the narrative is always based on results. I mean, that, right. that's that goes without question. Believe me, if, if the Giants finished eleven and five, there wouldn't have been any discussion about Eli Manning. But they finished five and eleven, and they were in a one and seven. And as I've said, you know, I've quoted him several times. Former GM Ernie Corsi saying. The quarterback is always the lightning rod, and Eli is the lightning rod times two. And then on another factor, uh, excuse me, Chris, uh, and thank you for the call, but on um, one other factor is where does Rivers play and where does Big Ben play and where does Eli play? Eli's under the hottest microscope. But also you have to remember that the same heat was getting tossed towards Phillip Rivers two seasons ago right. in San Diego until they fixed and addressed the offensive line with their draft picks and free agency. You know, so it, it's – heat comes when you lose. Yeah. That's it. Heat comes when you lose. Let's go to Montclair. I'm assuming that's nearby Montclair, New Jersey, and check in with Maurice. Hello, Maurice. Hey, what's going on, gentlemen? How you doing? How you Great, doing? Maurice. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right. Man. Happy New Year to you, too, guys. Um, I just want to make my call uh, really quick. And um, if one of you have a pen, do you, one of you guys have a pen or pencil near you? Okay, go, go ahead. Maurice. We're here. Okay, so I'm going to uh, give out these are some, uh, just to have fun with the show, just uh, throw out some awards. They're kind of uh, <laughs> different awards, but I'm going to throw them out there, and you guys write them down. I just would like to hear you guys elaborate on them. So number one I'm going to give you is most improved player of the year. Go ahead. Uh, um, number two. Well, give, uh, him, give him to me. Who's your most oh, improved player? Oh, for me? Oh, you're, you're asking us to give oh, you? Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just getting you guys take. All right, go ahead. Yeah, so number one was uh, most improved player of the year. Um, number two, I had the unsung player of the year. 
Uh, number three, I think we all would agree on one player, but that was the MVP of the year. And number four, the um, optimistic player of the year heading into 2019, like the most optimistic player of the year. Um, (laughs) Maurice, you got too much time on your hands, my brother. (laughs) The most optimistic. (laughs) And and, uh, the uh, the last two are the defensive player of the year and the surprise player of the year. (laughs) Thank you, gentlemen. (laughs) Surprised. Okay. Most improved. Got any thoughts on most improved? Um, hmm. I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to think of from last season to this yeah, season how I, you can I, quantify that. I don't know. I I I I don't know. From you know, it, 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 it's also very hard because you only have 13 players yeah. from last season, <laughs> yes. so that's hard. Unsung. I'll give you a, two candidates for unsung. Spe- uh, special teams captain Michael Thomas. And a receiver and another special teams player, Gunner uh, Russell Shepard. And most improved, we could go Rojas. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Aldrich Rojas right then and there. But uh, in terms of Michael Thomas uh, and uh, and Russell Shepard, two guys. Well, listen, Michael Thomas is also the Giants uh, pick for um, nominee for the uh, NFL uh, Walter Payton. Yeah, man of the, of the year award. Yep. But he, he he did a good job, and he's a, a terrific leader. So those guys, as far as, um, you know, I don't know, the optimistic player of the year. <laughs> that That's a new one. But yeah. th- thank you for throwing that up to us. Let's go to our buddy in uh, Delaware, Coach Marvin. Hello, Coach. Happy and healthy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year, Russ. How you doing, David? We're doing great. Oh, that's good. Um, what I was calling is uh, I was just going to go over, every, you know, everybody's kind of concerned. I'm sure people going to be really concerned about the draft pick this year. It's pretty dominated by defensive players throughout the draft this year. Not, an offense, not a lot of first-round offensive players. But I, I think what's going to happen with us, I'm, I'm hoping, and I know they're doing their you know, on these guys, they're um, – they're looking at quarterback probably, and uh, I think Haskins. After watching him uh, Haskins the other night, last night, I, I think the kid may have something. Uh, hopefully, they do look at him. But I have one guy that's a sleeper that uh, I think they should. I'm hoping they're looking at, and and I'm not saying he's a Baker Mayfield, but he has these intangibles like Baker Mayfield. Who's that? And that's uh, Max Sorley. It's something about the kids the, that, from Penn State. From Penn State, right. if you watch it, he's familiar with Barkley. Not to say that's going to make a difference, but I'm looking at his intangibles as far as leadership. He was doing it when Barkley was there last year. Actually, my uh, boss, um, my chief, was the uh, was an alumni of Penn State. So last year, I was more rooting for us to take Barkley, and if they didn't take Barkley, I wanted. Mayfield, because the intangibles that Mayfield brings to the game, not just his arm and accuracy. Sometimes you have those things, but you got to be smart with those things also. And McSoley has those intangibles, his leadership. I mean, he was knocked out of that game, um, I think it was yesterday, and he came back in the game, and you can see the energy from the team when he came back and the energy from the fans when he came back in the game. And Mayfield brings that same energy to Cleveland. 
And, and again, I, I believe Eli will be the quarterback next year. I think it'll be crazy not to have him back. Um, but, uh, you know, I will you know, let the rookie compete. Eli will be the guy, but they're going to compete. And if the guy, if Eli struggles, then, they, then they got the young guy will get his opportunity to play. It all will be planned out in a way where it's not to be controversial, where you got the media and the fans rooting for the guy to get in the game over Eli. It'll be depending on how everything's going with the team. And uh, I think we're in a good position to make those decisions on who's going to be prepared. doesn't have to be a first-round quarterback. Mastoli may be in the second round. We do need a pass rusher. need another offensive lineman, linebacker, and corner. So, well, you, 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 Coach, you just said a mouthful right there, and I don't know if you're, you've been listening to the whole show, but that's what we were talking about. Dave Gettleman said flat out he's going to do what he did last year. He's going to draft the best athlete available at the time when it comes to them. Now, and that's best athlete of value yeah. and, and value as well. So obviously, the, you know, he's going to have a red flag with the broken foot. It's not going to allow him to heal up in time for the Senior Bowl, which is three weeks away. And I can understand where you're saying he's a proven winner and what he's done in Penn State and the leadership qualities over his five years. That's, that's great. But at the same time, you've got to take into account that he's listed as six foot two oh one on the roster. That's a small body to be entering the NFL when you're not at the top talent level at the quarterback position to be able to take those hits and sustain them for a, a long period of time and in your career. Right. And, and I and I understand that, David. And the odds are would be against those type of guys. But in, as you know, sometimes these guys' heart is not measured by Measurement. I was a fifth round draft pick, Coach Marv. I know what you're saying. Yeah, no, not that. You know, you you got Russell Wilson who was coming out. Well, he's a little too small. He did this and don't do that. And look what he does. You have Baker Mayfield. Oh, he's a little too small. He can't see over the big guys. But somehow these guys find the lanes to throw the ball in. Okay. But I, I think the characteristics of Baker Mayfield and of Russell Wilson were better. Than McSorley's. I mean, you can't sit here and say that and make that same argument. You can say I, they're I, the I, same I, height, but their characteristics and their attributes are different. And and throw in, you know, a guy by the name of Drew Brees as well. Yeah, right. And and I agree with you. You can't compare them. And I, and I think the main thing I don't want to compare them because the guys we're talking about are already playing, and McSorley's yeah, not. But I think he'll I'm get an opportunity. I think I'm, he'll get a shot. I'm saying in a sense of where McSorley is now and where they were at the time where he where he is. Uh, uh, what Russell Wilson wasn't where he is now than what he was in college, and that's what I'm, I'm I'm trying to measure them in a sense of when they were coming out of college. I'm it's saying, but even coming out of college, he had a higher draft grade and potential, and was a bigger prospect than McSorley was. And granted, yeah, of course now, if you go back and you ask anybody when it goes through the draft that they were going to wait that long to draft Russell Wilson, they would have took him in the first round if they would have known. Right, right. I agree. Right, I agree. Listen, <laughs> Joe Montana went in the third round. You know, yeah. uh, if, if they would have known, yeah, okay? Yeah. That, and and right. uh, Bill, Bill Walsh had all intentions of drafting uh, a fellow by the name of Phil Sims. You know, instead of uh, Joe Montana, and, and, but George Young took him in the first round. But once again, that right. actually validifies what he's saying, that you just don't know. Yeah, exactly. You truly don't. Right. Right. And it's the same thing with Brady. Brady had none of those characteristics. Bingo. Yeah. And, and he wasn't that way when he – because I was living in New England at the time when he started. 
he wasn't even that good, great of a quarterback come when he got in the game. He just maintained and didn't make a lot of mistakes, and he grew into their system and became who he is by growing into that system so long that he got better because they was relying on the running game, their special teams, and definitely their defense. They didn't rely on Brady to win games. They just didn't want him to lose those games. And and what you're talking about right now is the way that general managers are critiqued and looked upon is based upon not just their first and second round draft picks, but it's their third, their fourth, their fifth, the sixth, the seventh round. How do they develop those players, and what were those picks in those late-round drafts that are the meat and potatoes of your farm system in your organization? Thanks for the right. call, Coach. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, thanks. buddy. Thank you. That's true. Yeah. You know, it, it's you, you just don't know. You don't know what somebody's going to do when they capitalize on an opportunity. Look at Adam Thielen. Prime example of Minnesota. He was a small school kid in a, a small school in Minnesota. They brought him in for the rookie minicamp for that. Then from that, he hung on to get on to the, the regular training camp and regular roster, then is able to work his way through practice squad, through the special teams to now where he had the season that he had in, in Minnesota. You know, you're talking about Penn State. There was a pretty good running back some years back out of Penn State by, <laughs> by the name of Blair Thomas. Oh, yeah. Remember Blair Thomas? Of course. And, and he, Jets grabbed him, and, you know, he was, what was he? I think it was, was it the one pick or the two pick? Uh, yeah, up there. Okay, and, you know, it didn't work out. And I remember asking George Young about that pick when, when George was, you know, let him rest in peace, the general manager of the Giants. And George said, pulls out in his drawer, Everybody. Oh, the us, old files, yeah. Uh, us and everybody in this league had Blair Thomas at the top. Yeah. And that's a classic example of you never know. You just don't. You just don't. Let's go to New Haven, Connecticut. Check in with Ezekiel. Hello, hey guys, Ezekiel. How uh, you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good. How you doing? Um, I was just, I saw that you guys were live. I'm a giant fan, so I got the notification. Um, I was just it, it, Odell Beckham is one of the best wide receivers uh, in the league, um, and he came out a few weeks ago with the hamstring injury. Uh, he didn't play since quad um, quad quad injury. I'm sorry, um, and we know uh, Odell when uh, in certain situations he gets, he gets a little frustrated. Um, you know, last season with the uh, the whole kicking uh, kicking the kick, kicker's net and all that stuff. Um, so I was just wondering um, if uh, you guys know if. Um, it could be that uh, he was able to come back in the final two weeks. He just uh, didn't want to. No. I, I mean, I have spoken to him several times. And Ezekiel, everybody can speculate, you know, because he's another guy who's the lightning rod. You know, he's soft. He doesn't want to play. Go ask his teammates. I would see him in walking past the, you know, the training area. Yeah. He, he's working diligently with the strength coach, whatever. He was trying to get himself ready. I, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I can't go into his quad to tell you how bad. But he is not a dog. He wasn't dogging it. And anybody who puts that narrative out is just putting it out because they got an issue. You know, it's like, let's pick on uh, Odell. You know, some of the dumbest remarks I heard, and thank you for the call, Ezekiel, some of the dumbest remarks I heard this season, ever in football, quite frankly, this season or any season, 
Giants might be better off. Let me throw it to the out there. A former player, Bart Scott, throws it out. Yeah, you know, I think he's soft, and you know, maybe they're better without Odell. Well, you know, they lost their last three games without Odell. Are they better? Dave Gettleman, when somebody asked him, "How's the offense without Odell?" Dave Gettleman's answer was, "We lost three. We lost well, oh, one, two, three without Odell." I mean, it's just it's just silly, but that is because it's Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, think about it. That last drive up against the Dallas Cowboys. Who's Eli Manning throwing to at the wide receiver position? One of his wide receivers just was on the practice squad and brought up, and that's who he's throwing to in the final drive to win a game up against the Dallas Cowboys. You're telling me having Odell Beckham Jr. out there for that drive wouldn't make a difference? You're telling me it wouldn't have made a difference versus the Colts or the Titans who just had a loaded box to shadow Saquon? Come on, it's a ridiculous statement. Speaking of which, though, Cody Latimer certainly... Oh, yeah. He made not one, but two... Well, what not only the two catches were terrific catches, but the throws so he can make those catches with darts on the dime. Not to mention that's one of the players that you hope would emerge this season on this roster from bringing him over from uh, the free agency. It's just the injuries killed him this yeah, year. Yeah, he he was on injured reserve yep. for a while, and he came back. But, no, that was good to see him come back. Definitely. And, and uh, you know, he got to display something. You know, and, and you could look at him. I think they were looking at him as the third wide receiver. Yeah. So, uh, uh, listen, there were a couple of things at the end of the season. We're getting ready to wrap things up here. A couple of things at the end of the season which really made me feel good. Evan Ingram came yes. back after his injury. And, you know, Dave, you, you could maybe answer this better, but I don't think he just came back healthier physically. I I think maybe some of the losing and, and everything got to him. And, and, and then and some he, he heard the criticism. And I heard some criticism yeah. dropping a ball. But he came back. Stronger physically and mentally because he was outstanding when he came back. Especially when they were able to use him different ways in space to run the football. That's why you want a dynamic, athletic tight end like that or an H-back that you can use in those different ways. And it was. It wasn't just about his play. It was about his attitude because if there was anybody more disappointed than him, nobody was because you could see it on his face and the way that he came here to work. Yeah, he, he really, but, yeah, and it was also great to see he, he was healthy again, and you got to see uh, Pat Shermer and, and Mike Shula using him in yeah. ways that they took advantage of his ability. I mean, he runs like a deer. Of course. I, I mean, I mean, he, he, it's like he glides. He's, yeah. He t- takes those big strides, and he's a talented guy, kid, and he's, and he's tough. Yes. You know, he, he showed me some toughness. You know, he doesn't, he, he's not that stereotypical, he's not like Red Ellison. Yeah. You know, he's he's a, I, I don't want to say glamour tight end, but he's like a yeah. pass catching. He's a, what he, would you say, a tweener? Yeah, you know? this 2019 has to be his best season. Yeah. Has to be his third year. It, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty impressive. Anyway, folks, got a reminder for everybody: Big Blue Kickoff Live will be back for you tomorrow, right here at one thirty. There is no show on Friday. Okay, mark that down. No show Friday, and then beginning next Monday, Big Blue Kickoff will be back weekdays, new time at noon. I'm sure that's until next season. And again, weekdays at noon on Giants.com and the Giants app. Uh, for myself and for David Deal, I want to thank uh, Dave Dominic, Thanks, our producer, Dave. takes care of us. As always, you, the fans, 
for Dave Deal and myself. This will be our last Big Blue Kickoff Live conversation with you people until next season. So everybody have a happy and healthy new year as it gets started. Stay safe and look forward to uh, good things in the coming season for 2019. Take care, people.